Welcome! You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. And thank you for listening, by the way, to this podcast. We are growing leaps and bounds, and we really appreciate it. Cannot tell you how wonderful it is to see so many that are enjoying what we do here. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and just simply hit the five star or the subscribe or the like or whatever. And uh, we really do appreciate that. We try to do this about three times a week, kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. And you can, of course, listen to it at your own convenience. But we really do appreciate you listening and and, and enjoying and uh, what you hear and, and giving us feedback, uh, both positive and negative. Uh, we, we enjoy both, to be honest with you. And, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of glad for right now is that I don't have any children in the school system. It is, it's kind of a mess right now. And, and you know, we see so much, um, th- so many things that are kind of, you, you can get very pessimistic when it comes to how things are, are happening today. When it, Just from a Christian perspective or from... Uh, you know, even a conservative Christian perspective uh, politically, uh, there, there's a lot of things that you can say, wow, this is not heading in the right direction. But, you know, it's, I, I kind of want to lift your spirits with this, uh, this next thing that we're going to take a look at here. And that is, what will schools look like post-COVID? Uh, this is going to be a little more of an optimistic view of, of how things are uh, happening and the direction that things are going. So, um, and, and just to start out, let me, let me just kind of give you uh, my credentials when it comes to educational type issues. Because you may say, you know, who in the world are you, Doug, to, to say what's going on with, you know, with schools? And, and I will say that, that I have been a teacher. Uh, I've been a tutor. Uh, I've been a school board chairman. Uh, I've been on the school board, uh, not currently, but, uh, but for over 12 years. Uh, I have been a liaison to the state legislature. I've testified at educational subcommittees and things on, on education. Uh, and, and, to, and to be totally honest with you, the, probably the, the biggest credential I have is that I raised four high school graduates. <laughs> yes, all of them graduated. <laughs> and and that, uh, that, that's a feat. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've seen the ins and outs when it comes to the, uh, the education system. And I've seen uh, both. Uh, home, I, I've seen homeschool. I've seen private school. I've seen public school systems. I, I've, I have a pretty firm knowledge of of where things are at. And so I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit here, and see where uh, we are at number one, and where we're headed post COVID. Uh, so let's take a look and see where are public schools today. Uh, well, taking just a step back about a year or so ago. Uh, just in our local area, we had a teacher strike, and and I will say that, you know, obviously this podcast is heard all over, and we're from the Northwest here. This is where it originates, but um, but this but teacher strikes are not, you know, unique to the Northwest. And so what we what we saw here re- recently within the last few years, we saw a number of teacher strikes in a number of different areas across the country. And here in uh, the state of Washington, we actually had a teacher strike. It was a statewide teacher strike. And what happened was we had a, uh, a, a, the way that public schools were funded was changed by the state legislature. And because of that change, there was a, a pot of money, basically, that, that uh, kind of overlapped or whatever. And so, that, so there was a, a, a pool of money 
uh, that was created from this. Well, the teachers saw this and said, oh, yeah, that's all of our money. And we want that for increase in salaries. And so they all went on strike. And not only did they get all of that pot of money, but they also then ended, ended up in many cases getting even more than what was extra there. And and they went on a statewide teacher strike. And of course, uh, in our area, the local school districts have to negotiate with the union uh, individually. And so uh, as each one did and, and, um, and came to an agreement, then, you know, obviously that area then wasn't on strike any longer. But anyway, it went over time. And finally, at least in in our area, we have some teachers now making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, the <laughs> this is this is a lot of money for simply a nine month job. Now I'm not I'm not decreasing what teachers do, but what I'm saying is that when you just simply look at the numbers and you have teachers that are making over a hundred k a year for a nine month job, that's a good gig if you can get it. It doesn't almost matter what you're doing, right? And uh, and so that that's what has, that's what led up to this. Now we we also saw in in our area, and I know in a lot of a lot of your areas as well, that uh, that there were a lot of school bonds. In fact, I've even seen a couple of school bonds uh, elections coming up right here in the middle of, of COVID. I just can't imagine being on a school board and voting to put a bond measure on the ballot right now. That just I just cannot imagine doing that, but. That's a whole nother issue. So anyway, so then COVID hits, right? And after COVID, we saw that a number of school districts went online and online only. And we have seen the effects of that. What are the effects? Well, at least in this area right now, we see somewhere between about a third to one half of students right now are failing, an F, failing. They are not adapting to the online type of education, okay? Now, some do, some are doing well, and that's to be noted, but as a general rule, we see that online-only learning is an absolute atrocious failure as far as when you take all students as, as a whole. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, into this a little bit further, uh, but... Uh, but but right now, as as it stands, online only is an absolute failure. Sports, of course, have been canceled. None of that is happening at this point. Uh, they are trying to ramp up in our area. Now I understand the Northwest is the highestly, if that's a word, <laughs> locked down area. Now, Oregon is number one as far as the states of, of being locked down. Washington number two. So we're back to back right here. And uh, and so yes, we are in in a higher lockdown than many people, but still, uh, it, it is, it is just, we, we see with the sports being canceled and, the, and, and probably this year, much of it's going to be canceled as well. Uh, it's just, it, it's a really sad thing for those, um, student athletes that have worked so hard, spent so much money, so much time, uh, to, uh, perfect their, their sport. And then, uh, they don't get an opportunity to do anything with that. Um, so then we, what, what did we see with parents? We saw that parents started to see things, uh, you know, a little bit differently. And the first thing they saw was that there was definitely some objectionable curriculum when it came to, to what was being taught to their kids. 
Um, and we, there were parents that were absolutely surprised and shocked by what they saw because everything's online and they can be there right there with their children if they want to. And as they were seeing things being taught, they're saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are we teaching here? Number of parents didn't know what was being taught in the public school system and, and not all of it's bad. Don't get me wrong here. Um, but there were definitely some things that parents were pretty shocked to find out that are being taught to their kids. Now here in Washington, we have even a sex sex ed type of program that is just, it goes way, way too far uh, as far as what is being taught at what age levels and what is being taught, period, just to be honest with you. It, 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 there, this is a type of thing where it's basically doing the grooming for sexual predators, for them. Uh, it, it, is, it is bad news. And, um, and so we, we are seeing not just in the sex ed area, but we're seeing all kinds of objectionable curriculum in a number of different areas. And that's something that was kind of an eye-opener for many parents. Uh, how much of the day uh, was being spent on learning was something that, again, was kind of an eye-opener for parents, I think. Um, because, you know, when, when your, your kids just go to school, they hop on the bus or they ride their bike or wherever they, whatever the case may be, they go to school, they get there, you know, eight or nine or whatever. And then, you know, they, they, they go to three or three thirty or whatever the case may be in your area. And, um, and then they come home and, and, and you're like, wow, you know, you put in a full day, hope you learned a lot, you know, this type of thing. And yet now that everything is online, we're seeing that a lot of the students day is either done with busy work type stuff or it's, uh, you know, going from class to class or it's, you know, obviously transportation and, and on all these different things. There's a lot of time during the day for a student that is not spent learning. And so when you actually get down to actual learning in class type learning, um, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing that it doesn't necessarily take a full day to learn what they're learning. And that was an eye-opener for many parents. I think parents' uh, work schedule um, can be rearranged to facilitate homeschooling. And I think a lot of students uh, and parents saw this. They, uh, this was something, I think, for a lot of parents that they didn't think was even possible. But because of COVID, when COVID came down, because of that, they've had to do it because obviously their kids are at home. And so they, they, even their work schedules, the parents' work schedules were, um, you know, up, upended and, and many of them got to work from home. And so with this new type of arrangement, parents were able to see that, you know what, with just a little bit of rearranging or, you know, some, some tweaking here or there, you know, we could even do the homeschooling thing if we wanted to. I mean, what's what's kind of the difference? We're kind of doing that now just with a computer. So many, many parents started to say, hey, this isn't as undoable or an impossible as we thought it was going to be. And so uh, that was, I think, an eye-opener for parents as well. And so because of that, what did we see? We, saw, we see private schools and even homeschool resource centers um, they, they, they maintained in-person teaching. Uh, these, these schools did not uh, go the way and the route of the public school system and block everybody and just make sure everything was online. Many of them 
were were holding classes, in-person classes, and and, and with with great results. Uh, there was, in fact, uh, to my knowledge, and I've I've looked into this a little bit. There has been no outbreaks as a result of these private schools and home resource centers and things that have um, ha- have maintained in-person learning. So, COVID, we know, is not spread by young children. And we know that now. I mean, obviously, right at the very beginning, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know who was being affected. What, what, was, what, was there an age group that was affected more? Or, you know, was there a gender that was affected more? Or a race that was affected? No. Now we know that, uh, that young children, for the most part, do not spread COVID. And they don't get it. They don't spread it. It's, it's, it's definitely the older you are, as you know, the, the more susceptible you are, and, and that's, that's what we need to be concentrating on when it comes to vaccines and that type of thing. But again, that's another podcast. So we know that young children do not get it very, very often, and they're not ones that spread it. So um, we, in, fa- in fact, we've even seen that there hasn't been a single teacher f- fatality after contracting COVID from a student. We ha- there, there isn't one. I mean, you can, you, you can go online, you can see, oh, well, this teacher died of COVID, but, but there hasn't been a single case where they can track that to, uh, to the fact that they, they got that from a student in, in, in their classroom. So uh, yes, teachers can get it just like anybody else. Teachers aren't immune. And in fact, in Oregon right now, teachers uh, are getting the vaccine before the elderly. The elderly can't get it now, but teachers and coaches can uh, why? Well, again, that's a political issue. We know the science. If you actually follow the science, that's not the case. The case is that not a single teacher fatality after contacting or contracting that from a student. Um, and so what have we seen the response when it comes to the teachers unions? What we're seeing now is that teachers unions are now fighting to maintain online only classes. Now, isn't that really the opposite of what you would think that an association or an organization would do that holds children to the highest uh, highest priority? But as we know, teachers unions don't do that, uh, and and so what, that's what we're seeing with teachers unions right now. They are fighting to remain online only, which, as we know, is a complete failure one-third to one-half are now failing, depending on where and what school. Some are calling even a hybrid model as a sign of white supremacy and white privilege. A hybrid model meaning that students will go to uh, an in-person type of uh, classroom setting, but the classroom is basically, the, the size of it is usually about cut in half, you only go maybe like a Tuesday, Thursday, so like twice a week or a Monday, Wednesday. And, and then uh, you only go a lot of times for half a day. I mean, there's a lot of different hybrid models out there. But for the most part, that's kind of the idea of the hybrid model. Then the other the time you're online. And uh, so if you are in person, it's, there, there's these severe restrictions and, uh, and the rest of it's online. Even that type of model, there are teacher unions that are calling this a sign of white supremacy and white privilege. Uh, They're even comparing parents that question this to those that write it at the Capitol. 
which is just completely asinine if you ask me. And we've done a podcast on this. You can go back and, and listen to that. But that's what teachers are calling for. And unions are calling for uh, not just teachers, but all students to be vaccinated before they would support in-person learning. So it's not just teachers that need to be vaccinated. They are calling for even the students to be vaccinated. Now, the question that I would have then at this point is as we're seeing other strains of COVID come out and the pharmaceuticals are saying, oh, well, but the vaccination doesn't cover those that we're going to now have to come up with a booster. So do, do we wait then, if this is the case, do we wait until the booster arrives for the latest strain and then we have to wait for another booster for that strain and anyway the beat goes on obviously obviously this is not logically a very good thing we cannot remain closed we are sacrificing when it comes to our public school system and the kids that are in it we are sacrificing their education and their futures for the sake of simply in my estimation political correctness now uh i i i told you that this was going to be an optimistic thing so and and i and i i do want to hold up to that so we see what has happened this is the this is where we're at so i gave you all of that to to show this is where we're at now this is the point in which we're starting from here so i i found an article and it was uh it was by john mclaughlin and he writes for the uh, 74 uh, and it's, it is an optimistic view of where we're headed when it comes to public schools. And this was from back, actually, last October of 2020 is when he wrote this. So just a few months ago, three or four. But uh, I think it definitely has some really good things to say and is relevant today. And, and let's, let's dig into that. It says that a, a nation at risk, uh, President Reagan's 1983 Blue Ribbon Panel's review of American public education is frequently referred and referenced as the benchmark and starting flag of the reform movement. Its 37-year reign as the reference point for progress is over. The pandemic has now taken the pole position, and it will be the new reference point for the evolution of public schooling and changes as a result of COVID-19 will be more rapid and far-reaching than any measures of the past 37 years. From financial and fiscal um, restructurings to fresh configurations, from a renewed focus on vouchers to millions of new homeschoolers, there is no going back to a pre-COVID world for public education. And while the evolution will be messy, adversarial, and varied across the country, the results will be greater will, will be greater opinion uh, options for children and families and education structures that will reflect the society they serve. There are seven areas of coming change. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to dig in uh, to this. We're going to have to uh, we're going to have to finish this up on Monday, but I will say that that uh, I, I believe he's correct. I believe that the COVID-19 virus has and will change our public school system, and our public school system will not stay the same. It will not 
any, it will not look like what it used to look like. And there's going to be a number of different areas, and he highlights seven uh, here, and we're going to get into these, that, uh, that are going to be, I believe, in many cases, a very much better thing. This, these are optimistic things. Our school system will get better because of COVID, which isn't that nice. I mean, something that actually is getting better because of the COVID virus. All right, let's let's look at the first one here. It says, uh, remote learning is here to stay. Despite the forced adoption of remote learning and the absolute bumbling of most school districts during the school closures this spring, remote learning can be effective, entertaining, mass-delivered, and mass-customized method of transmitting knowledge and enabling students to learn and explore at their own pace and schedule. In the coming years, remote learning will be primarily teacher-designed and led, but all learning is self-learning. And remote learning is a structure that allows students to go as fast, as far as they desire. In the future, teachers will evolve to be of more a reference point or a touchstone in the learning process as opposed to a planner or designer. Online curriculums, scope and sequence, and tags to delve into any aspect of a topic are becoming ubiquitous. Teachers as guides will be deeply familiar with the learning materials and help students on their learning journey to discern the paths and resources available. In in the final analysis, remote learning will become foundational to American schooling, not because it is effective, which it is, but because it is less expensive. Rick Hess, a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, recently estimated that a generous per pupil expenditure of remote learning is just over $5,200 when compared to the per pupil expenditure of in-person schooling of $13,600. Remote learning will be widely adopted and effective and cost savings are simply too compelling to ignore. Now, I will say that that his estimate of thirteen thousand six hundred actually is just a shade low. Um, right in in many districts right now, we're spending over fifteen thousand dollars per child per year, and that's that's when you you take everything into account, and and that's a lot of money. And yet, online learning is is costing about five thousand or fifty two hundred uh, per child. I mean, that's about a third. Uh, and so when you see online learning. It is definitely a lot less expensive, and for some, it is going to be more effective in a greater way because different people learn in different ways, and this is just one way that people can learn and definitely have it be more effective for them. Uh, We are seeing online learning fail right now because everyone is having to do it, not just those that do it well. So. That's the first one. We're going to dive into the other six uh, coming up on Monday. So you want to turn in, uh, tune in for part two of that. If you have any questions or anything that you'd like to, to uh, comment on, uh, we would love to hear that. Uh, you can obviously go uh, to Instagram or you can go to Facebook or, or a number of the different uh, areas that we're on. Uh, or you can 
uh, obviously go right directly to us, and, and that is by email, and that is for uncommonsense at gmail.com. That's for, F-O-R, uncommonsense at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.